2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. And it says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or trouble, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let one, no one deceive you by any means. For the day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as the God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that which may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of the, lawless, the lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with his breath, the breath of his mouth, and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Somebody ought to say amen to that. The coming of the lawless one is according to the works of Satan. And with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason God will send them a strong delusion, that they should not believe the lie. That they should believe the lie. That they all may be condemned, who did not believe the truth, but have pleasure in unrighteousness. I want to share with you this morning a message simply this, don't be shaken, for the Lord is coming. Don't be shaken, for the Lord is coming. Will you pray with me? Dear gracious Heavenly Father, today as we open up your word, I need your wisdom. I need your help and your guidance this morning to lead your people in your word and in your truth. Father, I pray today that you will help us and open our minds and our hearts and allow us to receive and understand that in the days we're living, you are still in control. That your plan is still perfectly made and will be made and completed until the end. Father, give us today the truth and understanding of your word, we ask in Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Preparing this message today, I thought about Matthew 24. You may want to write that down, because it's an important text about and concerning the times of the Lord's coming. In Matthew 24, Jesus is asked two questions. And he's given two answers, and he begins to explain what will the signs of your coming be and of the age. And Jesus gave these answers. And I want to take the time this morning, real quickly, just to read through some of this. I want you to listen carefully. And to them take heed that no one deceive you. That in every generation there is the temptation for the church and the people of God to be deceived and get caught up in the things of the world. The first thing that he does by answering this question of the disciples is, Do not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear the, of wars and rumors of wars, and see that you are not troubled in this time. I don't know about you, but as I look at the news and I look at social media, I get troubled, I get angry, I get frustrated, I get a lot of things, but there's an answer to that. I just set it down, don't look at it, and pray. And think about God's Word instead of watching all this craziness. For we shouldn't be troubled, because such as it will be before the Lord comes. And all of these things must come to pass... But the end is not yet. Now listen to these. The nations will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms, and there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. All these are just the beginnings of sorrows. Then they will deliver up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. In verse 10 it says, And then many will become offended and will betray one another and hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because the lawlessness will be abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Amen, amen, and amen. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the nations as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And then he describes Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. And he says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Now let you go back with me, please, to our text. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul had told them, in fact, in chapter 5 and 6, you can go there and read it for yourself. 
Paul had explained to the people of the church about the end times. And he explained about the Lord's coming and how things would be. And he spoke about what I believe is the rapture of the church in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And then he, led by the Holy Spirit, wrote 2 Thessalonians because look what it says here, that what had happened was that they were shaken in their mind and troubled by spirit and by letter. After Paul had left, false teachers had come in and began to tear down and to teach that which was not true, that which was opposite to what Paul had taught to the church. And in fact, most people believe as you read this that letters were being falsified and sent with Paul's name on it into the church to believe that it was written by him, but it was really written by false teachers, and there was confusion. And the people had begun to endure such persecution that they thought they had missed it. They thought that they were in the middle of the tribulation, and the Lord had come, and they just said, if this is how it is, we've been left here, then why are we doing anything? And people began to sit around and look toward the heavens and do nothing but wait and wonder what's coming next. And Paul writes a letter and he says to them, I need you to understand and realize that what you've been taught and what you have been, what you heard and what has been sent to you has not been sent to you by me or God, it's been sent to you by the enemy. And I want you to stop and remember what I taught you. And this is where he enters into the teaching of what will trigger the great tribulation. Now before I go any further in that, I want to tell you, if there is any consolation in my heart as I look out and I see and I grieve about the warfare that we're in, even as a nation today, I don't smile at all that's taking place and the suffering that's happening and the evil that's taking place and the things that are being justified and the lawlessness that is happening. I don't smile at that. But what I do smile at is this. The more chaos that we see, there's one thing I know for certain in my heart according to Scripture. And if you are a child of God today, and this will warm your heart, the more chaos I see, the more I know in my heart that my Savior is coming. John Hagee said something a while back. John Hagee, I don't always listen to everything, but he, he said something one day, and I'll never forget it. He said, you know, when the rapture of the church happens, the world will be so glad that we're gone because the world hates Christ and the world hates the people of God. But then he said something else that's equally true. He said, but remember, church, we too will be glad we're gone. I often think about it as people who have already gone before us in heaven, do you think they're looking down, sitting at the gate, going, oh, I wish 
I could get back there. Church, there is a hope that reaches far beyond all the lawlessness and all the destruction and all the death and all that seems to be overwhelming and things that we don't have answers for. Listen, there is a hope that reaches beyond all of that and his name is Christ and he is coming for his church one day. And Paul tells them, do not be deceived, do not be shaken, do not be overcome, do not be deceived by demonic spirits, do not be deceived by those people who are telling you lies. Listen to the word of God and remember, you are not in the tribulation because he says according to chapter 2, he says two things will happen. There will be this great apostasy that will take place and then there is one who will come and make his appearance and his name is the lawless one, the son of perdition, the Antichrist. I want to tell you today, church, just as there is the truth and the reality that Jesus Christ is coming one day, and I believe that he will come and take his church and rapture them, and that we will return with him in victory, and then there will be a, a final coming of the Lord in the end. And after the, the battle of Armageddon and all the things that happens in the great tribulation and the millennial period and all of these things that we think about and read about in Scripture and people debate over whichever way it's going to go, the reality is when it does happen and takes place, Jesus will come a final time and the enemy and all the who followed him will be cast into the lake of fire, just as the Bible says. But there is more than just Jesus coming, church. There is one called the Antichrist who is coming. Now, I spent two days this week just trying to look up prophecies and thoughts and considerations about this person called the Antichrist. And I had no idea, I'd studied it before but I had no idea there was as much in the Bible about this person as there is. And there really is a lot. And just as Jesus Christ is coming, he's saying, remember here, the tribulation has not happened because there will be the great apostasy and ushering into that will be one who will surface. The little horn, Daniel calls him in chapter 7. He will surface... And at first, for three and a half years, his message will be in a world that is nothing but chaos. His message will be, according to Daniel, that of peace and prosperity. Is that not what the world wants to hear? Peace and prosperity. I'll promise you, peace and prosperity. But the Bible says this person, who I believe will be a literal person, <clears throat> who will live upon this earth, and who will, as the Bible says, create and live and establish a one-world government and a one-world religion, all all of which will be demonic 
beyond imagination. Beyond imagination. And for ten years, hell will come to earth. For ten years. The first three and a half years, people will look to him and say, he is, according to Daniel, very smart. In fact, he's genius. He is a military leader like the world has never seen. He has a way of speaking that makes people want to just hear every word that he says, according to Daniel. He is every bell and whistle. The world will look at him and say, what a man. And in fact, what will happen is, the Bible says he will be empowered not by God, but by the enemy, by the devil. His source of power will come strictly from his father. And the world will look to him and the world will worship him, and the world will praise him, and then after three and a half years, he will turn on them, and there will be more bloodshed upon this earth that has never been seen before. The Bible says that he hates Christians. He hates God. He is lawless in every way. Can you imagine living in a world, now listen, does this sound familiar, where there's no police and there's no laws? Can you imagine? That's the way it'll be. If someone wants to take what you have, they'll come up, they will, they will kill your family, take it and walk away, and no one will ever say a word. Because it will be a lawless ungodly time. Second Thessalonians also tells us that in this time, that which restrains evil, tell me, say it out loud, what is it that restrains evil today? Huh? That that restraining force, that power of, of the Holy Spirit according to Thessalonians will be removed. Can you imagine a world where there is no no influence of God, of the Holy Spirit in that way, that evil has full reign in some ways, not full reign, but it has a greater reign than it even has now? Now, because remember, God isn't bowing to the devil through all this. Any power and any authority and anything that's taking place, God is allowing it for a period of time. There's no dualism between Satan and God. We're going to see in the end who wins. We know who wins. We know how it's going to be. But we also know that there's going to be great tribulation upon the earth before the Lord comes. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he says, Let no one deceive you about the day of the Lord, unless the falling away comes first. Let me tell you, can you imagine what that one world religion will be like without Christ, without the Holy Spirit, without the church? Can you imagine what a vile, godless thing that will be? If you turn to Revelation, write it down, Revelation chapter 13. I ain't going to read it all because it would take too long. But if you turn to Revelation chapter 13, I'll paraphrase this chapter for you. The Bible says that what's actually going to take place 
is there is a beast that will come from the sea, being the Antichrist. And then he says there's a beast which shall come out of land, which is the false prophet, the one who will lead this one world religion. And above all of that, and where these two beasts get their power, the Bible says, is the dragon. And the dragon is defined as the enemy. So you see the unholy trinity been set loose on the world for ten years. Can you imagine? People stop and wonder, and they ask me, they say, well, do you think that obviously this Antichrist has not yet been revealed? And you say, well, why is that? Well, um, we're still here. Um, but somebody asked me the other day, they said, do you believe he could be alive? I said, there's no reason for me not to believe that he couldn't be alive. Is he six months old? Is he a year? Is he 20 years old? Is he not alive yet on the earth, but he will be? I don't know, but I can tell you there's no reason for me not to believe there's no reason for me not to believe that he couldn't be walking upon this earth as we speak. But he has not been revealed. You see, what happens and takes place is, and we're beginning to see a little of that already, uh, you know, the church of Jesus Christ is made up of two kinds of people. The wheat and the tares, the sheep and the goats, the ones in darkness and the ones in light, the ones who take the broad way and the ones who take the narrow way. That's the only two choices according to Scripture. There are no other choices. There are people who write books today and tells you there's a third choice. And there's a fourth choice. But Jesus only said there were two kinds of people on the earth. There are those who believe in him and know him and those who do not. And the church is made up of both. And can you imagine what it will be like one day when you're sitting there and a percentage of the church is gone and everybody else is still sitting there? What it will be like. Can you imagine what's going to happen in Washington when all of these hard-working Christian people are gone and no longer paying taxes and no longer doing the things that they normally do every day? They're going to have to have a meeting and they're going to have to say for those that are left and they're going to have to say, what do we do now? These people, they're gone. We don't know where they are. How do we pay this and how do we do that? Listen, can you imagine when the influence of God leaves this world and hell becomes earth? Now, I want to tell you, as bad as that sounds and as horrible as that is, as Christians, I could give you 40 different places in Scripture that tells me that everything I just said to you is true. But the Bible says in the end days, it will be doubted and mocked and laughed at, and people will say, you, them Christians, them dumb, fundamental Christians, Man, they, the world would just be so much better 
without them. Do you hear? It's already here. It just hadn't come to fullness in one person. Everything the Antichrist will ever be is already on this earth. Do you hear me? The spirit of the Antichrist here, every generation, every year, every time, there have been thousands and millions of, of Antichrist all throughout history. Now, I'm not talking about the one main Antichrist, but the Bible says that there, there are those who set their self against Jesus Christ in every generation. And that spirit and that falseness and that evil is already here. The spirit is here. The presence is here. And one day that will become embodied in one demonic person who will lead the world. Some of the things that I, I have to apologize because there's no way in, in three sermons I could cover all that I want to cover for you. But I want you to, to listen to what the Bible says. And I have biblical references for each of these. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 1, it says he will be a man of war, of famine, and of death. Zechariah 11 says that he will be the useless shepherd <laughs> as compared to, the, compared to the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, right? Revelation chapter 11, we read or we talked about earlier, says that he will be a beast that, that, that rises from the sea. That he is, in Revelation 13, that he is a commander of a false prophet. Revelation 17 says he is an intimidator. He will get what he wants by force. He will do it through manipulation, evil, and force. He will do that which is that is ungodly and unbearable to think about to those around him. In fact, the Bible says even the religious crowd, those lost people that are left in the world that make up this one world religion, after three and a half years, the Bible says he will even turn on them and slaughter them. The epitome of evil. Daniel says, Daniel 7, 8, that he will be an intellectual genius. Daniel 7.20 says he will be an outstanding orator. In other words, he'll be able to speak and people will listen. Daniel 7.23 says he will be a military leader like the world has never seen. He will be able to calculate and manipulate. He will be the greatest politician the world has ever seen. And I don't mean that in a good way. He gets his authority... In Revelation 13, 4, he gets his authority from Satan. Revelation 13, 5 and 6 says he will blaspheme God and he will blaspheme the people. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 15 that he is the abomination of the desolation that is spoken about. He himself will be that, that, that person embodied during the great tribulation. I want to ask you a question because I don't have time this morning to, to go through every detail and everything about him. And I'm not here to glorify him anyway. I want to ask you the question. Is there anybody in this planet that you, don't, that you dislike enough that you would want them to see them live through that? No, right? 
I hope not. I hope the answer to that is no. Why is it that the Bible says the church of Jesus Christ is to be busy about the work of Jesus Christ and the church of Jesus Christ is about not just things of the world but the things of God and we are to be so busy about the things of God reaching people and telling them the truth loving them and showing them the way because this is a reality not a one of us here today would want or wish anyone to have to go through and endure what we're seeing what you're seeing on the news listen to me what you're seeing through this virus and what you're seeing through all the riots and all the, the, the heartache and the grief and the crimes and the lawlessness is not even a percent of what will be. If there's anybody on this earth today that has a purpose that is any more important than the church, I don't know who they are. But yet we take our responsibilities so lightly. Oh, yeah, I, I go to church. A lot of people don't even do that anymore. I go to church. But are we being the church? Are we telling people the truth? Are we showing them the way? Are we telling them that, yes, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming and He's taking with Him those who truly belong to Him. Are we doing what God has called us to do, to evangelize and to have a mission heart for people who are lost and in need of Jesus Christ so that when the Lord comes and the worst comes, whether no matter what generation it is, we impact that generation because the less we do today, the more the enemy does today, and the less people will be reached today because our influence, our influence as a church, we're not being the light that we're called to be. I'm going to ask you today to think about and consider, consider this. If the Lord Jesus Christ and if you believe he's coming, if you believe he's coming today, and you, and you knew, and he's coming today, and he does come today, would he find you ready? And what I mean by that is what the Bible means by it. I don't mean I have fire insurance. Because I said a prayer 20 years ago that I never meant and didn't care about. It's never changed my life. I'm talking about a prayer you prayed where God became Lord and Savior of your life and the Holy Spirit of God transformed your life from that day forward and your life will never be the same again because Jesus Christ, because you see, that's how the Bible speaks about it. And when the Lord comes, is you going to be found ready or will you be left here to endure ten years of hell? You see, I'm not a preacher that tries to make people... I don't believe in scaring people into heaven. Are you, are you with me? I don't think fear is the emotion God wants when one comes to Christ. 
He wants brokenness, humility, and repentance. So I'm not standing here today trying to cause fear in your heart. I'm standing here today trying to get you to understand and receive the message today that there is a whole lot at stake and the church has been given a lot of responsibility and that responsibility is eternal and it is unlike anything else that ever has existed in this world and as a Christian you are automatically if you are a believer in Christ you are a part of his church you are a part of his church All the pastors and all the churches I've pastored over the years and all the people that I've known, I've gone through some really good times and I've gone through some really tough times. I've, I've, I, at times I think I have fought the devil firsthand with two legs. You know what I'm talking about? Not too many times in my ministry, but there was a couple times I really think I was sitting there with the devil. Not very much, but I, there's a few times I, I just God's going to have to show me in heaven that I'm wrong. But I, I think about all the people in the last 30 years that in my unperfectness, I have tried to preach the word and I have tried to teach the word and I have tried to tell people the truth as much as God has enabled me to, not in perfection, but by the Spirit and truth. And I look back and I wonder, out of all those hundreds of people, how many of them I will really spend eternity with Because the Bible says not just some, not just a few, but most will be deceived. Did you hear me? Many will be deceived. If there is a central question that any and every person should ask themselves today, and I don't care how old you are, and I don't care how long you've been hanging on to that prayer you prayed 20, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. I, I, listen, I'm not against the prayer. That's how I came to Jesus. It was through a prayer. We don't come to Christ through mental assent. We don't come to Christ by having a knowledge. We come to Christ by submitting ourselves and our lives to him, that, just as the baptism shows, to die and be raised again spiritually afresh and anew. There is not a person that I've ever met in my ministry or life, no matter how much difficulty they've given me, that I would wish one second in hell for them. Or one second to live through the great tribulation. Do y'all believe today the word of God is true? Then do you believe the 40-odd places that I can show you in the Bible that says these things that I have said to you are true. Do you believe they are true? Do you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ
Christ is coming. If you truly believe it, it will change your life. And if it doesn't change your life, then you don't truly believe. James said it like this. He said, there's a faith that to man seems right, but there in the end is dead. And dead faith doesn't get us to Christ. And it doesn't get us to heaven. The thing that keeps me up at night sometimes is wondering if, if I'm doing everything I can do to tell people that I care about and I love, that even if there's one person in the sound of my voice here today, even if there's only one who I will not spend eternity with because they are deceived. It is my responsibility to pray and ask God to help you see, to help us see together what must be done in your life to come to Him. Because the Bible doesn't say, like I said, just one or two. Most and many will not go to heaven. But if you listen to the world, everybody goes to heaven. Preachers preach people into heaven. Everybody goes to heaven. But it just isn't true. You know who goes to heaven? Those who truly believe in their heart on the Lord Jesus Christ and with their mouth and with their voice, the Bible says, they pray unto God asking for him to forgive them and to receive through repentance of heart. To receive the Holy Spirit of God, that same Spirit that will begin a work in them day one and will work in them throughout and progressively for the rest of their life. And it's called the perseverance of the saints that every true believer will persevere, will not lose their salvation. Because it is a salvation that is given strictly by God's grace and through faith in Jesus. In Jesus. Jesus is coming. Will it be in my lifetime? I can't tell you. As a messenger of God, as imperfect as I am, all I can tell you is this. I know in my heart beyond any shadow of a doubt, there is not one fraction of doubt in my heart that what God has said is true is true. And Christ will come. And there will be a tribulation. And they will be an antichrist. And they will be a millennial. And they will be a day of the Lord when the Lord comes. And the world as we know it will never be the same again. People say, I believe, but do you? Do you really believe that's true? Because if you do, 
It should change the way you live. We're not saved by works. But those who are saved will work for Jesus. It breaks my heart to think of how many people I have spent time with, loved, prayed with, visited, seen, evangelized with, and there are people that I know that unless they change their life, they will never see the gates of heaven. Oh, preacher, but I do things. I come to church and I do this. And Jesus said, they will come unto me and they will say, well, didn't I prophesy in your name, Lord? Didn't I do the things you asked me to do? And he'll say the most horrible words I can even think of. Depart from me, I never knew you. The coming of Jesus should give you hope as a Christian. And if you are a Christian, when you think about that blessed day, Man, there ain't nothing in this world I'm going to hang around for. You hear me? People say all the time, well, I'm ready, but I ain't ready today. Listen, I'm ready anytime. Anytime that he wants to remove me from this wretched world, I am ready. There is nothing here because this is not my home. And I'm ready to go home whenever he's ready. And until then, you know what Paul said? To live or die is gain. But it's far better to go be with him. But until then, I will do what? The work of the ministry. The work of the ministry. And I conclude by saying this. Listen, that's not just for preachers. That's for all of us who are Christian. All of us. You have a ministry. You have a work to do. On that day, when the Lord comes, we're not going to say to him, Lord, let me go and work one more day at that job. Let me go out here and cut my grass and just so I... Can got everything ready just for when we know everything's ready. All the things that we have to put so much energy and time into, listen, ain't going to matter then. It ain't going to matter. Do you believe that? Do you believe the Word of God? I promise you I'm done. I'm going to read one more thing. God's brought to my mind. This is the ending of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. After he explains to them, that for the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. So he's saying that the, the, the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work in the world, and he is today. If you don't believe me, turn on the TV and watch it. He who has restrained will, be, will do so until he is taken away. And then the lawless one will be revealed. Whom the Lord will, listen to this, now this is how it ends. <laughs> and
and the Lord will consume with his breath the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the brightness of his coming. You see this Antichrist and all this stuff and these prophets? Listen, they have a sudden end, and his name is Jesus. The coming of the lawless one is according to the works of Satan with all power, signs, and wonders. And with all unrighteousness and deception among those who are perishing. Because they did not receive the love of truth. What is he saying here? Do you love the truth? That they might be saved. Because there's no other way to be saved other than the truth. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion. And they shall not believe, and they shall believe a lie. And that they may be condemned who did not believe in the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But then he speaks to the Christians. Look what he says. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you. Brethren, believe, believed by the Lord, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and to be belief in the truth, to which he called you, our God, by the gospel, and for obtaining the glory and giving glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, listen to this, stand fast and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by epistle. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ, more Christ himself and our God the Father, who has loved us, give us everlasting consolation of good hope by grace. Comfort your heart and establish yourself in every good word and in every good work. In light of the coming of the Lord, what are you to do? Establish yourself in the truth and in the work of the Lord. That's his word for us. Those are your priorities as God's child in this broken world. Establish yourself in truth and in his good work. And know in your heart with hope, oh boy, that he's coming again. Boy, a day would be a good day to fly, wouldn't it? I wouldn't have to go to work tomorrow. Whoo, that would be a blessing. You know I'm being silly, but it's truth, man. I, I tell you, the, the more I, I read of Scripture and the more I learn of Jesus, man, I am ready. But until then, let us cling to the truth and be busy about his ministry. Are we doing that? Is that our priorities in life? Are we preparing ourselves for his coming? Heavenly Father, today this invitation is yours. And your word tells us that there will be a day in Second Peter 
chapter 3, that there will be a day beyond anything, anyone's comprehension when you will come that final time. And you will bind the enemy, his false prophet, and the Antichrist, and you will throw them in the, in, into the lake of fire for all eternity. That the world as we know it today will never be the same again because you are coming. And Father, there's a day, I believe, where you'll come and you'll rapture your church and you'll take us out of this world and we'll come back to this world with you at the end of this hellacious period called the tribulation. And with the very words of your mouth, silence every enemy. With your very words and breath of your mouth, you will bring victory and true peace and true prosperity will become the new heaven and the new earth. Father, this is your word today. Help us examine our hearts to see where we are. God, let it not be among us, not one of us, who will be left behind. May your Holy Spirit do his work today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.